0: Explore the history, relationships, expertise, and data that go into ensuring Stein growers get maximum yield potential. This is the Stein Seedcast. Here's your host, David Thompson.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Stein Seedcast. I'm your host, David Thompson, National Marketing and Sales Director for Stein Seed Company. We've got another great episode lined up with special guests, expert insights, and discussion on everything you need to know about maximizing yield potential. On today's episode, our special guest is Dwayne Murley, Farm Director for AM540 KWMT out of Fort Dodge, Iowa. Welcome to the show, Dwayne. Well, thank you, David. Thanks for having me. So as an Iowa native, uh, Dwayne's interest in radio started back when he was on his grandparents' farm, and he grew up listening to uh, 540 KWMT during the long rides in tractor and combine. Now he's among the farm broadcasting elite, having spent almost four decades on the air. From joining farmers on tractor rides around the state of Iowa to his involvement in Feed the Farmer events, Dwayne has been active in the everyday lives of growers and producers all across the state of Iowa. When he's not on the air, you can find Dwayne behind the wheel of a tractor, where he helps a local family with planting and harvesting of their row crop operation near Rockwell City. Dwayne is also a 30-plus year member of the Rockwell City Fire Department and is a board member on the Calhoun County Community Foundation. We look forward to learning more about Dwayne's background in farming and ag broadcast and his role in helping share the stories of farmers and producers. So let's get started. So, Dwayne, uh, again, welcome to the show. Uh, known you for a lot of years and uh, really, really excited to have you on the show to talk about something that I, uh, being in the ag sphere, love, which is farm broadcasting, the lifeblood of, of communication and agriculture. Right. Well, I'm excited
0: to be here, David. This is a <laughs> odd for me because I'm on the, on the other side of the microphone, as she knows. So, I've interviewed you several times over the years. So, so I am happy with this opportunity here
1: Awesome. Today. Yeah. Don't try to take over the interview. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm going to try to <laughs> keep the reins that. on. But. I won't do that. <laughs> um, so for starters, Dwayne, again, we talked about you grew up, you're an Iowa native, grew up here in the state of Iowa, but just give us a little bit of bit of background.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in Sac City, um, up in Sac County, and uh, born in 1966, so um, I was able to spend a lot of time on my grandparents' farm um, growing up, and I actually lived in town, but you know, every uh, every kid wants to get out to the farm any chance he can get. So that's uh, that was kind of my story growing up. Growing up and, and my grandparents had a farm, we had corn and soybeans and, and back then we had oats. We uh, you know raised oats more for the oat straw, for bedding, for the livestock and, sure. and had uh, cattle and hogs and sheep and, and uh, had some geese and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> so my, uh, my roots with farming really starts at my, my grandparents' farm growing up.
1: Yep, a classic kind of diversified, yep. uh, you know, twentieth-century farm operation. Exactly, big garden and all that stuff, and yeah. you know that was going in about this time of year. So, um, so tell us about, uh, you know. Coming out of out of school, I mean, did, did you know you wanted to be in farm broadcasting? No. So backing up um, at Sac City, we had a
0: high school radio station, which um, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I really took an interest in. Ooh. Everybody, you know, wants to be a, a DJ or a firefighter. My dad was already a firefighter, so I kind of <laughs> kind of knew that routine and knew that I would be a firefighter. But I kind of took an interest in, uh, you know, being a, a DJ back then. And the the um, radio station at the high school actually brought. Broadcast over the local cable channel, which was kind of unique, and and gave me an opportunity to spend two or three uh, periods a day in the radio booth, and um, you know things just kind of grew from there. People say, "How did it all start?" Or you know, "Where did your interest begin at?" And I think it was uh, the interest in the in the radio um, program at that time, KSAC. and and uh, from there it just kind of grew and. I had done some other radio with a uh, station out of Storm Lake when I was still in high school. And and every once in a while, I, I'd sneak over to Fort Dodge in the evening and kind of got to know the uh, behind-the-scenes type stuff. And when an opportunity became available, my senior year in high school at Sac City, um, I actually got the call on um, February 21st. I remember that day because that was my <laughs> brother's birthdays. And then I uh, started my first uh, air shift on, on KWS. MT and our sister station KKZ on March third. So um it was kind of at that time. I just transitioned into Fort Dodge Radio and and uh our farm director at that time, Doug Cooper, who has been in in farm broadcasting for many, many years and still is today and um retired from that actually. But um Doug was gonna be gone one day and and like everybody, it's like, hey, I'm going to be gone. Can you fill in? So he gave me some cheat sheets to look at. And, and um, you know, looking back, I guess the, the rest is history. That was uh, 38 <laughs> years ago. So,
1: yeah. And that's amazing, you know, to to, uh, to have not even finished high school yet. And, yeah. and, and you're moving right into uh, what would be a, a long career for you. Yeah, and, exactly. Right and,
0: and, you know, to find something that you love. I mean, I still say that today. I mean, I get out of bed at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning to, to go to work, and there's not one day in that time period I've never wanted to go to work. I mean, it's, it's always get up and, and get in and do my job. And, you know, they always say if you, you pick a career that you love, it's never work. And, and I have to admit, that's, that's the radio
1: and And, you know, for obviously, we have listeners of the podcast all all over the United States. Right. And uh, just as a frame of reference, KWmT would be located right in the center part of Iowa, and uh, has a really, really long uh, history and a long following. You said, uh, uh, Cooper, uh, Gary DiGiuseppe. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, so, so you're, you're, you're one in a long line of, of really good, uh, farm broadcasters coming out of that, uh, of that station. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: Bruce Gorder was one of them too. Von Kettleson, um, you know, started with Dave Fitzgerald back in the sixties and seventies and, um, you know, just uh, uh, Randy Rasmussen. I mean, I counted up one day, and I think I'm number seven. And you know, um, you know, it's longevity. It seems like once you get in farm radio, um, you stay there. And even if you move. To another station, you're still in farm radio, and I think you see that today, just with the with the general um, farm um, careers. I mean, somebody may be at, at one um, organization at one point, but maybe they move on. They they're able to you know advance, but they never get out of that. And and I mean, there's people that I've worked with all 38, 39 years that are still in the farm business or career, but, um, you know, they're still very active today. They might just be working for another organization, another company, but they they never get far away from it.
1: And, and, you know, the farm broadcasting, uh, you know, has a a really strong – Association, National Association of Farm Broadcasters. So, I mean, again, a very tight-knit community.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the neat thing is, even though we're competitors on the radio dial, um, we still talk to each other, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. And um, if I've got a question, I mean, um, another farm broadcaster is just one phone call away because there are some things that I may, um, you know, announce or talk about, Daily that um I just have a few extra questions, and i I can you know call that other farm broadcaster up, so it is a real real tight community, and um you know we just all work hand in hand we've all got the same message. we just want to deliver the best farm radio we can do, and uh, like I said, even though we 're competitors on the dial we're we're still friends and and still out for that same message.
1: So you would be uh, when you go back. You're starting at KWMT. It's going to be probably the mid 1985.
0: 1980s. 1985. My senior year. Yeah.
1: Okay. So curious. Do you remember? Your first big kind of story, big oh, yeah. kind of scoop. Absolutely. What, what so,
0: was it? Um, so my actual first day was on our FM sister station, and that I used to run the KCK Some Countdown Show on Sunday oh, yeah. afternoon. Well, then I I had the opportunity to go to KWMT shortly after that, and oh, I remember that first broadcast. I I went in there and I thought I had everything planned. And you know what I forgot, David? I forgot the April Lean Hog contract. And I had a guy call me. He said, I just lost $36,000 because you did not give that report on the May contract. And that's got to do with the guys at Farrow in December. It's not a very highly traded contract, but those that make their living on the Farrow in December and, and maybe sell those hogs in May, they want to know that information. <laughs> so absolutely, I do remember that first day, that <laughs> phone call when I got off the air and and uh, yeah, yeah he lost a lot of money just because uh,
1: I wasn't given that make contract do you know bring up markets obviously that's that is almost the lifeblood certainly of yeah. of farm broadcasting yeah I'm 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 curious when you're when you're walking around town in Fort Dodge, can you tell the mood of of the people depending on what markets you read to them earlier that day? Well, definitely the farmers, yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: But you know, it goes beyond that. And you know, when I was thinking about what you and I were going to talk about today, um, you know, one of the first pieces of advice I got um, 36, 37 years ago was from the owner of a, a livestock barn down in Dunlap, John Shaven. He called me. And we were talking, and he said, Dwayne, he said, you know, he said, your job is kind of like mine in a a way. He said, every day I go to work and we have uh, families bring their cattle in to sell. He said, I got to do the best job I can because that may be the one or maybe one of two paychecks they get every year. And, you know, could you imagine – only getting one paycheck a year. So you got to do the best job you can. And he said, you know, you think about that. And I I still remember him telling me that today. And, and even people that work for John, I share that story and they say, you know what, he's told me the same exact thing. So I feel that's my job. I've got to go in and I've got to deliver the best farm news or markets that I can deliver because it's a livelihood and it's no different than, you know, you with Stein Seed, when you promote your product, um, you know, they're, they're buying the, the, soybeans they're buying the corn hybrids and and that's their livelihood and Mm. you've got we we've all got to deliver on that and and i know the you know with stein c the representatives i work with you know it's about you know um putting together multi-year data and so forth and and to me that's important too because when they make that seed selection you know come that fall that may be the one paycheck they get That year, and I don't know. To me, it's it's a passion, David. It's a passion. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's
1: awesome. So, um, so, so, yeah, as you're progressing, uh, you know, of course, mid 1980s, mid to late 80s, not an ideal time in in the world of agriculture. so, uh, so what what was your what was your takeaways from those earliest days in the in farm broadcasting? At that well, time,
0: I got involved with that. My grandpa he uh, he lost some farmland. He lost uh, probably forty to fifty acres, and and the uh, the lending institutions back then they were basically giving a lot of farmers blank checks and said, "Hey, you know, go build what you want." And and uh, he did. He uh, you know had a lot of hogs on cement. We poured a lot of cement, a lot of cattle. Um, uh, expanded the, you know, the row crop acres and so forth, but then the farm crisis hit, and a lot of that stuff was pulled away from those farmers, and he was caught in that. So I got to see that, um, you know, firsthand, and I don't know that when I first started in farm broadcasting that I I don't know that I really um, put a lot into that, even though I saw it, because— um, you know, we're able to use other folks that that help us out. We, you know, I maybe deliver the farm news, the markets, but, you know, we've got analysts that talk about, you know, the financial side of everything. And so, you know, using those tools I had, I don't know that I really dove into it like I, you know, looking back, I probably could have. But, but yeah, it was affected. I saw it firsthand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how, looking ahead, so obviously, like, so you've been at this a while now. So, how, how has your role changed versus when you started?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um probably probably honestly, more in the fact that um more people are doing or less people are doing more work i mean i'm I'm doing the job of maybe three or four people, like compared to when I started. so um I have to um, you know I have to utilize my time very efficiently, um, depending on whether I'm doing an air shift or, you know, then devote my time towards the markets and, um, being out and about for, um, you know events and so forth field days and so forth so it's probably I don't think I probably have the dedicated time today that I had back when I started back then you could just do farm radio now you know you might have to do an air shift you do farm radio you've got you know other duties and so forth so I th- I just think that's probably the biggest change that I have seen
1: sure sure changing Change in time, specialization, yeah. and, and focus. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, one of the things, too, is the technology, you know, the computers. Back when I started, I mean, we had these uh, printers that were in the newsroom. There were there were three of them. One had green paper, one had yellow paper, one had white paper. One was for strictly farm markets, so one was for the Associated Press, one was for um, a sports um you know, printers. So you know that stuff used to come. You know, print it off. That thing would be back there shaking. You go back at 2:12 because you knew at 2:12 the the markets were closed, and you went back and ripped that off, and you you read it like that. Or today, you know, everything's so accessible with computers. And back then we had reel to reels. Today we're using equipment just like we're recording on today. So you know, back then you just kind of had to, you know, hope you got it right the first take. Where now we kind of <laughs> go back in and kind of, you know, do a little radio magic. But that that was probably. One of the biggest changes, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I know you like to get out and about in the countryside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, remote broadcast is kind of a project in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. My Um,
0: equipment looks exactly like this. If I were to brought my stuff in today we could have set up and it would look exactly (laughs) like this my laptop my board my my microphones and um sometimes i have to carry my generator with me because i might be at a bin site or out in the middle of a field (laughs) so you know you always got to be prepared but um yeah i can i can pretty much be remotely anywhere
1: you know uh, famous farm broadcast from WHo Lee Klein oh, yeah you know absolutely. used to talk about you know a little bit of ambient noise goes a long way because yeah. it, it it shows you're out there and you're doing right. stuff and like I said I've seen you out and about and, and doing a lot of great remote work and I think that's a unique talent
0: and, and I love the background noise and of course I listen to Lee I actually work with Lee storytelling at the Iowa State Fair and had that opportunity and and to this day David back home I've got a um, kind of like a little firebox underneath my bed and I've still got the letter that Lee sent me after we did uh, our Hmm. first storytelling together. And I had, um, I think back then I had maybe four or five stories that I told and we always did it. The first day of the Iowa State Fair, we're up in the barn, the Farm Bureau barn at the top of the hill where the sky lift takes you. And um, I think I did, I think five stories and, and uh, Lee was very complimentary and uh, told me he liked the topics and, and, um, you know, where I could improve, but I still got that letter. So legendary, but you're right. I mean, you know, for him to go out and do something, you know, ride along in the combine, you always want that noise behind you because you don't want to, you know, make it sound like you're just sitting along the side of the road. You want people to know that you're out there and you want the dogs barking and the, you know, the chickens <laughs> crowing and, and all of that. So yeah, a hundred percent.
1: That's good investigative journalism. You're exactly. out there. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm sure over the years you've had opportunity to interview a lot of really really fascinating people. I'm just I'm curious, uh, you know who who comes to mind first and foremost.
0: You know they honestly they all have a great story to tell, and in today's world a lot of times when I'm out you talked about feed the farmer earlier and I get there pretty early and a lot of times the it's just the farmer and I we're talking and. um I'll t- i mean i've had eighty five year old farmers just break down in tears, and it's got to do with um you know handing that farm down to the next generation and some farmers have that family member others don't um some farmers may have felt that at some point 15 years ago, they, they knew they needed to break the farm apart from maybe a brother or, you know, land that was handed down through the family. But just looking ahead, knowing the, the pieces of the pie just keep getting thinner. And and um, so, some, you know, they've all got a story. And I... I I don't know that one actually sticks out. They're all, they all have a story. They might talk about their century farm, you know, being in the family 100 years or the heritage farm, being in the family 150 years and how they've been able to keep that together. And um, they've all got their own story to tell.
1: Yeah and 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 that's what's great about farm broadcasting there's no shortage of stories to tell no, and at all. and everyone is is unique in its own way and there's a lot of pride you know there's a lot of pride in a
0: um you know, I was recently with a, a young family down in far southern Iowa, and, you know, you hear the stories of the the uh, young farmers who may have bought the farm out of high school and maybe had help from da- mom or dad or grandma and grandpa that were able to help them out and, um, you know, get a good start, and that's going to be their livelihood. And um, those are always fascinating stories, too, because even in today's world, some of the um, – Farmers may have off-farm jobs too. They may work um, in town for a few hours a day, and then, you know, farm at night and so forth. So, um, you know, young or old, there's just um, there's a lot of great stories out there.
1: You know, you 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 mentioned uh, I guess succession, yeah, right? As yeah, as, as a, a significant topic, are there other Overarching topics come to mind when you think about um, things that, that you've covered in the last you know four decades.
0: Yeah, I think maybe weather and. Um crops being affected by weather, um, you know, maybe coming up short on, on yield and so forth, um, come harvest time and and some farmers that may be in livestock that, um, you know, because of corn prices and so forth, they had to, uh, you know, liquidate their livestock. And, and some of these are, you know, maybe cow-calf operations that, you know, were started in, um, you know, one or two generations ago before them. And, you know, they just feel like they're, they're ha- you know, they're having to give that up. And they, you know, they, even though they really don't have any other choice, I kind of like it to, um, you know, maybe small communities that had a school at one time and, and through consolidation just had to, you know, that building had to be closed. And that building sticks out in that town. It was being, you know, everybody remembers going to it. But I, I think... You know that with the livestock, maybe having to give up a, an established cow herd, to, you know,
1: to make ends meet. As we think about uh, again, one of the things that I'm always fascinated with with uh, farm broadcasting, it has such a unique place in in the fabric of of agriculture, right. row crop agriculture. Right. Um, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, f- farm markets, right? Right. The, yeah. Everybody, yeah. Stop, everybody, every- everybody stop everything. Everybody stop everything. You know, yeah. And mar- I have people, and I have people
0: all, all the time tell me, boy, I don't, I have no idea what you're saying, but I, I just love listening to them. And even <laughs> people that aren't associated with the farm, <laughs> they like to hear farm markets because they know, man, if everything's up, then, you know, um, the guy that I run to it, run into it, the hardware store. He's going to be happy and and all of that. So um, it does kind of set the mood and set the tone when you know when markets are are good and so forth. So, but yeah, markets have just kind of become uh, um, a part of the woven fabric. It seems like in the farm farm world.
1: Well, what's interesting is I think that there are so many uh, places that that information can be had right uh, in this day and age. But I still think. It, it 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 just still just there's something about for a grower. Yeah. Hearing it spoken. Exactly.
0: To them. And I tell people all the time, all the time, David, daily, you know, we've we've got to get out and we've got to prove our relevancy. Like you said, there's a lot of places that farmers can go to. But each and every day I have to prove my relevancy because the markets I give, they're real time. They're not on a 10 minute delay. They're, you know, they're there right now. This is exactly what's happening at this second. And you know, I think it just comes down to you know, proving our relevancy and, and proving the fact that the information we give is the most accurate um, that's available at that time.
1: Yeah, because it would seem to me that, uh, a- again, given all the different communication vehicles that are out there, yeah. you know, th- the idea would be to think, well, this it's a very fragmented market and and the, uh, uh, you know, the weight of, of farm broadcasting yeah. may be in jeopardy. I don't see that being the case. No,
0: the only thing, you know, the issue right now, the talk over the last two or three months is uh, some manufacturers eliminating AM radio out of their vehicles. And, and the big push from the farm broadcasters was the fact that hey, you know uh, we are very relevant. We're you know we deliver livelihood information each and every day, weather, um, markets, no matter what it is. So I think some of those manufacturers are kind of rethinking some of that. But you know, radio is so relevant. I mean, you know, there's so many vehicles and and during planting season, during harvest, I mean, our phones just. I mean, things expand ten times because the people are out there they're listening and and you know they're getting that information real time and they're and I don't know everybody says that I mean, I kind of probably take it for granted, but you know everybody says, you know guys, you've been there for like thirty six years we're so used to you delivering the markets. This is the way you do that, and so um I think there probably is something to that with. We're just knowing that, you know, the way they're hearing, you know, the markets and it's being delivered, it's kind of reassuring for them.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, that everything's right in the world. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Because Dwayne came on.
0: Especially when we uh,
1: deliver the right information, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That helps (laughs) if if it's a good market day. Exactly. so thinking ahead, you know, again, you get to go out and talk to so many growers and 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 people from all parts of this industry. I guess, um, what are the things that you've heard or or had those conversations that you think are going to guide? Agriculture in the next, you know, five to ten years. Um,
0: you know, that's probably a good question. You know, um, back in 2018, we had the bird flu come through. That was pretty devastating for our area, um, especially with the amount of poultry—not only turkeys, but also the chicken industry, um, chicken layers, the eggs, and and the meat chickens and so forth. And I, you know, we just I. I think one of the biggest things that's going to affect probably my job and, and maybe some of the markets and so forth is probably going to be, um, you know, the exports, the demand, the demand for, um, you know, meats and meals and, and, um, you know, the ethanol industry and so forth looking ahead. And I think locally in Fort Dodge, we have such a strong... Um, basis. And, and for those that are wondering what a basis is, that's basically what a ethanol plant or a, a cooperative is going to pay over the market price that day. And we have a strong basis. So uh, we have that demand for ethanol. We have that demand for soy meal, for the uh, uh, livestock industry. We have that. So I really think that's going to be a huge driving factor over the next, you know, as we look ahead, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years down the road Is is that you know, the demand for the, the products the farmers are raising and growing.
1: Yeah, and and, and the global market continues to grow and yeah, expand. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and so, and as you pointed out, in the area where you're at with the ethanol industry being what it is, right. you've got some elasticity in the yeah. market there because you've exactly. got, you know, you can take it for grain, you can take it for meal, you can use it for ethanol. There's a lot of different ways to go with that crop. Right,
0: right. Yeah, and you see that through Stein Seed. I mean, the, the world market that it is today, and, um, you know, it's um, – you know, we're seeing Brazil grow uh, more soybeans each and every year. And, and the South American um, countries that are, you know, more active in, in – uh, soybean production and corn production for their own ethanol and so forth. So I just think it's all it's all a piece of the pie and it, it, it's all very relevant with uh, with what's ahead.
1: So switching gears a little bit, so in the intro we talked about different things you're involved with in your community. You're uh, you're a firefighter? I am. I am. 30 um,
0: years. Um, July, 30 years. Um, my dad, he uh, he is a 52-year member of the Sac City Fire Department. Wow. I'll have my 30 years in in Rockville City coming up this summer. So, yeah, I mean, that's just always been a part of, of my life. So, um, it's just kind of a way that I can give. And also, um, I'm involved with the Calhoun County Community Foundation, and we are the, the board that oversees uh, the lottery money that comes into Calhoun County. And also... Mm-hmm. Uh, some proceeds from the Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson that um, they also give to the contingent counties around Greene County. So I'm on that board, and I think this year we awarded uh, nearly two hundred thousand dollars to organizations around Calhoun County that hmm. had projects and so forth. So yeah, between the fire department and and of course you never know how much time that's going to take. The pager might go off at two in the morning, but um, the foundation, you know, we get together several times a year and you know kind of go over. A grants and stuff like that. So I stay busy with that.
1: Well, I see a common thread that runs through all these things. Being involved with the fire department, being yeah. involved in the foundation, being involved in farm broadcasting, it's, it's – uh, community, right? Right, exactly. The tie that seems to bind everything that you're involved in. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things, too, um, I help a farm family
0: um south of Rockville City. I've done that hmm. for, I don't know, if I went back and looked, maybe close to 10 years. It's more than five. I know that. But, you know, they give me the opportunity in the spring and in the fall to uh, go out to the farm and anything really that happens in between that time, too. But, you know, I was able to go out this year and and help get the um fields ready ahead of the planter. I was actually able to um plant one night, I was going to plant beans, and Mother Nature had other plans. <laughs> I worked for about an hour and a half when I was going to work about four hours and really knock this field out. Well, it started to rain, which is a good thing, but yeah. um you know they give me that opportunity, so I can go out in the field and you know talk about you know, running the row shutoffs and, you know, just continuous uh, planting, not even stopping until we have to fill up and, you know, the technology that's in the, the planting industry today. And so I'm able to go out there and do that during the planting season. And, and um, you know, then during the harvest season, I can go out and combine or run the grain cart or um, run a semi or really whatever needs to be done. So um, that really gives me the opportunity to, you know, really connect with my listeners too, because I can kind of go out and kind of walk. Walk the walk and talk the talk that they're doing every day too. So that that is kind of a little feather in the hat too. I think
1: absolutely, absolutely keeps you uh, keeps you in tune with what's going on in the industry. In the in the know. Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked, uh, I think in the intro we talked about these Feed the Farmer events. Yeah. I know you've been involved with those in the past. Uh, for our listeners, just maybe give a, give a little explanation of what that is. Right. I think that's a neat, neat project.
0: So we are actually wrapping up our 13th year of Feed the Farmer. And Feed the Farmer started um, 13 years ago in the fall season. And basically what we do for eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall, we go out and we thank the farmers for the job they do each and every year. So um, we do eight weeks in the spring, eight weeks in the fall, so 16 weeks a year. So, you know, the math on that, um, 16 weeks a year times 13, just over 200 uh, farms we have been at. And what we do, we take um, uh, a region of counties and... and. Open up phone lines for farmers in those counties to call in and get qualified for a chance to win a a delicious meal. Um, Sometimes it's prime rib, um, mashed potatoes and gravy with roast beef. I mean, it's a hot meal that we deliver. So um, we open up qualifiers through the telephone and also online, and we get a tremendous response. And and of course, we always know we're going to get more of a response when the farmers are rolling and the tractors are are rolling and the wheels are turning, the tracks are. Because you know they're locked onto their radios, so um, but yeah, it's just a way for us to go out and say thank you each and every year in the spring and fall for for eight weeks, and and uh, it's a fun time. It, it's it's a good time, and and you know we've had an opportunity to work with Stein Seed with Feed the Farmer since day one, and you guys have have supported the program, and um, you know a lot of times when we get out there. Um, I think Todd Schomberg was probably one of the first ones to really get involved in Doug Brower and Nick Loebscher up in Carroll County and then um, Dustin Ellis. And, um, you know, through Feed the Farm, I've also got a chance to work with uh, others with Stein Seed at the farm shows and so forth and, and out and about. But yeah, Feed the Farmers is kind of the, the core, um, one of the core things we do and to get out and thank the farmers. And, you know, as you know, as you know, farmers are the last to take credit for for the job yeah. they do and and this is a way we can get out there and you know sometimes we're serving at a bin site we might be out in the end rows serving out of the back back uh trunk of a car or the back end of a pickup um you know, because we know that it happens during go time and that happens, uh you know, not only with our sponsors, but, um, you know, with the farmers too. So, you know, they may be like, Dwayne, I, I just can't stop. But we're like, you know, let us bring you dinner. Let us come out and, you know, invite eight of your neighbors, your guests, your um, banker, your landlords, you know, bring people together. Let's just do this. And, um, you know, we... We get it done. It's been pretty successful, and and really, I mean, it's it's successful because of uh, you know um, sponsors like Steinseed. I'll tell you that right now, David.
1: Well, yeah, and and my experience has been, you know, that that uh, eating eating meals on the farm, yeah. Teaches you how to be creative about right. about how quickly you're going to eat and how you're going to put that meal together. Yeah, sometimes, exactly. So some, sometimes you just have to throw it all between a piece of bread and just. <laughs> and
0: that is have exactly what I was going to say. We had one of our farmers uh, week number seven. He said, Dwayne, he said, I I am so excited about this." He said, "For the last, uh, well, since April 1st when they first started planting, he said, you know, I go to town and and I'd get some lunch meat and my kids would help me make sandwiches for the entire week and and." And you know, as you look back on that, I'm thinking, well, that's pretty neat because it gave you quality time with mm-hmm. your kids. Sure. They were putting those sandwiches together. But he said, Dwayne he said, I ran out of lunch meat like a week ago. He <laughs> said, I'm down to peanut butter and jelly, so I cannot wait for this hot meal to be here. So, so it is like that because you're right. I mean, they, you know, they eat on the go, and and sometimes they might not even know what's being packed for them when they when they head out the door. Sure. So, so that is a way that. Um, You know, kind of one of the the fun things about, you know, Feed the Farmer, too. We can take that hot meal out to them and, and, um, you know, whether it be in a, a to go box or, you know, we've had, uh, you know, sandwiches made too, um, like hot Subway sandwiches and so forth. And, um, you know, stuff like that. But yes, yeah, taking that hot meal out to the machine shed or, you know, we always joke. In fact, I was just joking with one of my fellow broadcasters, farm broadcasters here a week ago, and he was doing a remote off the back of his pickup, tailgate down, and, and so I sent him a picture three days before I was doing that same thing. And <laughs> I've always joked, too, that, you know, I probably set up more on more freezers and garages than than any other farm <laughs> broadcaster because I just have to set up where I can. I mean, just like this, just find me a spot, give me (laughs) give me a few feet. And and, um, so it might be a a workbench in the shop. It might be a you know, a chest-type deep freeze in a garage or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you just never know where you're going to be.
1: But like you said, the ability to be portable yeah. gets you close to the stories that you care about. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's kind of really, really cool. Yeah, because
0: I want to be out there. I want to be out there. I want to, you know, hear the tractor when it comes in. And, you know, even a, a story with Feed the Farmer here, I think it was week number five, Um you could not have planned it any better. When I when I called the the winner to th, um, congratulate him, he said, you know what? We are, I'm hoping to get done planting today. That was on a Thursday, and we always go out to see the farmer on Friday, and it ended up not working to where they didn't get done on Thursday. But while I'm there on Friday, I got there about 7 in the morning, got set up, and um, about 10.30, they rolled in, and they were done. And huh? he had his two kids in the tractor cab with him, and they all got out. They were hooping and hollering, you know, the the last of the soybeans were planted, and it could not have worked out any better. The food <laughs> was showing up at 11.30 that morning to eat, and, and what a, you know, what a celebration to kind of put a um, check on, you know, being done with planting season, and, and then we're there a, an hour later with Feed the Farmers. So, yeah, there's just stories like that that happen all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it turned into a celebration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dinner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so... Um... So, are there people that you uh, count, whether it be as a role model or as a uh, inspiration to you in your career? Are there, you know, you know who who do you look to for that kind of inspiration?
0: Yeah, you know, um, I also do a an on air music show on KWMT, and I think Dale Iker is uh, definitely a role model. He's the one that hired me, um, you know, back in 1985 to work on KWMT, and and you know. I look at Dale and he still works for us today, which is really neat. And I get to see him. But, you know, a lot of the people that I listen to on the radio are people that I started working with in 1985. So I was kind of working with my role models too as I, um, you know, as I began my career in Fort Dodge. And, but Dale Iker probably sticks out. And on the farm side, you know, each and every farm broadcaster, because the neat thing about that, is David? I can listen to all those farm broadcasters as I was growing up. I could listen to them on the radio when I was going home, or you know, on my way to work, and so forth. So, um, you know, you just kind of learn from them, and it's kind of a unique opportunity because I could just tune them in on the radio and and. You know learn what what they were doing, so there's probably a lot of role models as I look back, but you know just bits and pieces that that I was able to take away from that so on the farm side um farm broadcasting side david i I would really have to probably point towards Orion Samuelson I mean you know as a farm broadcaster as a, a kid on the radio, everybody wanted to be like Orion everybody wanted to talk like Orion and Samuelson and and be an Orion Samuelson in farm broadcasting and and, you know, I would, boy, I would just sit there and I'd try and talk like Ori, and I just wanted to be like him because he was really and still is uh, one of the major voices in agriculture. And, and so the first time I met Ori, and I have all this stuff going through my head, and it occurred to me it's like, Dwayne, there's no way there's only one Orion Samuelson. I mean, there's no (laughs) way you're going to be an Orion Samuelson because there's only one. So on the farm broadcasting side, I would really have to say Orion Samuelson and Max Armstrong, too. I've had a chance to work with them um, on their television program this week in agribusiness, and they uh, interview um, farm broadcasters throughout the year. But yeah, on the farm side, you know, Max Armstrong, Orion Samuelson, you know, that – everybody wants to be like Orion when you're in farm radio. So, um, I would have to say that. And if we got time, I, I will back up because I did get out of radio full-time at one time. I still work part-time weekends, but, um, uh, Mark Pearson, who, um, is no longer with us and, uh, he was at WHO and he and I were both asked to co do, um, judging in Wall Lake at Cookies Food Products for a, um, for a chili cook-off. Okay. And I I stepped back from radio for a little bit, and, and Mark took me aside. We were on a break, and and he took me aside, and he said, Dwayne, he said, you need to reconsider that. You need to reconsider. We need people in radio that have a passion. Can reconsider. So I walked away from another job, gave up quite a bit of money to go back into radio, mm-hmm. and I've never regretted that. Even though I wasn't fully out of it, because I was still there on the weekends, but you know Mark's uh, encouragement and and I, I mean I tell his son Mike that all the time. I said, if it wasn't for your dad, I don't know that I'd be back in it full time, but um, so a little encouragement and you know he he knew the passion I had and and it's really once you've got that passion it's hard to hard to shake it. <laughs> hard to shake it. well,
1: so've we've, we've got Mark Pearson to thank for that. yeah, absolutely hundred percent 100 percent. And in those years, uh, the last 30, 35, yeah, 36, 36 years. Um, 38, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are there, uh, y- you talked about some, a little bit about what you think has changed over the course of your career in yeah. farm broadcasting any any other observations you have from your from your time and what's different today than what it was when you first started
0: well I think uh, one of the biggest things that probably sticks out is the age of the farmer today and you know we've got one of the oldest populations for farmers um, as far as uh, age and still active on the farm and I think that's probably you know just as you look back over 38 years you know, years or whatever. I mean, these were farmers that, you know, maybe in the 40s when I was starting out, well, now they're in their upper 70s and so forth. And and I think that's probably one of the biggest things is being able to actually see the farmers grow with their operations. And, you know, a lot of the, the friends that I you know, was associated with back then, they're still active on the farm. And and maybe they were part of a, an organization like, say, Iowa Soybean Association or the Iowa corn growers or, you know, the Iowa um, pork producers or beef producers or cattlemen or anything. You know, back then they were, um, you know, young middle-aged farmers. And I've just been able to kind of watch watch their operations grow. and And you kind of watch that that population get a little bit older over the years too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, again, it's interesting to me to watch. Uh, we we get obviously a lot of market research data we look at, right? And and uh, you know, there's so many places for growers to get information, and certainly a lot of different avenues that they partake in to get that information right. but still radio is consistently always one of the yeah. strongest places uh, as i said it just seems to be ingrained in the fabric of agriculture that that that's where you go you yep. know for weather and markets you, you to go to the radio. Well that's I think,
0: you know, and that goes back to the relevancy. When when you punch up that dial, they they know that information's gonna be there. And and we know there's button pushers out there. I hear that. I hear, you know, listeners that are solid that never miss a, a market report. But when I'm done with mine, they might click to another station that, that's doing the same thing and you know, if they're offset a little bit, you know, they can they can go between three or four different stations and and just continuously hear that information that we're
1: out there delivering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm curious if you go back in time to young Dwayne, just starting his career in farm broadcasting, what advice would you have?
0: Uh, probably pay attention and, (laughs) you know, go back and, and maybe the, the small details, you know, maybe do that or maybe take better notes. And I, I'm a note guy. I've got a, I got a pocket full of notes right now, things I need to do, but um, you know, probably taking notes and and um not just reading the information, but actually going back and maybe researching some of that so I so I can remember it down the road. And I I'm actually doing that a lot more um than what I ever have, mm-hmm. just because I wanna go back and think, wow, what happened today? Is it gonna happen again? Like um, you know, the day we're recording these uh this uh, Stein Seedcast, you know the the hogs three contracts were limit up four dollars and seventy five cents. Well, when's that going to happen again, and stuff like that. So I'm trying to just pay more attention to the detail and and um, probably take better notes. That's yeah. what I would tell myself. <laughs> yeah, take better notes. Pay more attention.
1: What do you think, or what do you wish that growers knew about what you do? Um probably the, the work that goes
0: into it. I mean, I talk about getting up at 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning and, you know, some people will say, wow, you do that? And I'm like, yeah, but it, it takes that. It takes that, you know, I don't want to just walk in and hope my computer fires up that morning. And, um, you know, I want to be prepared. I want to get up early. I want to get in there and get my job done and just deliver the best information I can. So probably the, the work that kind of goes into it. I mean, it's... It, your brain never shuts off, and, exactly. and I mean, yeah. I mean, you you got to stay on top of it, and yeah. and I try and do that. Because on a regular day, you're on the air. What? Well, I 200. go in so my day I get up at three thirty four o'clock go in and and uh, do a little show prep and and kind of look and see what the markets are doing and and go in and record part of my music shift and and at seven forty five I've got my first uh live market report, so you know I start really putting that together a little before six o'clock work about an hour hour and a half on that um, and I'm ready to go at seven forty five and then from there um a little bit of a break, then the markets uh, open back up at 8.30 and go back on at 9.12 and just pretty much do that until 4.30 in the afternoon. But also in between there, I'm also doing interviews and so forth. So, you know, a lot of times my interviews may start at seven o'clock in the morning. Kind of depends on, you know, where the person's at that I'm interviewing, what time zone they're in, what I've got to adjust to. And um, I try and do most of my interviews like before seven for, well, before 8.45 in the morning, really, and then, again, like, after 1.30 in the afternoon. So, besides on-air, I mean, it's the behind-the-scenes stuff, too, putting the information together and... The stories together and, and, um, you know, working on those interviews that are done every day.
1: So it sounds like, for, you know, it's almost a two for one. For every hour you're on the air, there's at least a couple of, of yeah. prep and, oh, and planning exactly. And it just, it,
0: it's continuous. I mean, there's times that, you know, I get done at the end of the day. I'm like, wow, how did I get all that, you know, to work? But, you know, I keep a real tight calendar. I, I know it's just exactly what I've got to do. And I always want to, you know, I always, somebody told me a long time ago, they said, you know, if you're, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. So <laughs> I always try and do the, you know, the interviews, you know, five minutes early or something like that. And, and today with technology, if I were to do an interview with you tomorrow, I would, you know, if it was going to be at 7.30 in the morning, I'd text you like at seven o'clock and say, David, this is Dwayne. And just a reminder, I'm going to, you know, give you a call at 7.30. And so I'm able to do that. And I, I try and do that. I try and do the stuff that that way when I call and, you know, David says, oh, I forgot you were going to call today. But I I want that, you know, to be able to kind of work ahead of time. And um, it's just kind of what I do. So.
1: Well, and in your day, you've got deadlines and timelines. Yeah, exactly. and that's and, yeah. and, and that makes it important that everything falls into place.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing with radio. I mean, a lot of times there's not tomorrow. I mean, it's got to be today. And if it's 8 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock. It's not, you know, 9.30. And it's supposed to be 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. So, yeah, I mean, we, we work on hard time. It's uh, – you know, when it's that time, it's that time.
1: Dead, dead air is never a good look. No, is it? <laughs> no,
0: not not in our business. No, not at all. <laughs>
1: um, I guess in closing, Dwayne, I'm I'm thinking to myself: You've had so many different experiences, so many things that you've done. Um, is there something something you think? Gosh, before I'm done, I'd like to what? Well, wow, that is a good question. I don't know that I've thought about that because there's so many
0: things that I do with my job that it's probably stuff that I would want to do. I mean, that seems kind of weird, but, you know, I get up so early. I'm usually done by 1.30, quarter till 2 in the afternoon. I've still got a lot of my day left. I can go home. I can, you know, go help the Carver family. I can go mow. I can go do whatever's got to be done for the fire department. I've still got a lot of my day left. And then my job... You know, I'm out at Feed the Farmer. I'm I'm going all over the state and seeing different things and um, you know, go to farm shows, go to the commodity classic in in um uh, in Orlando or, you know, in pastures in, in San Antonio. So really honestly, I get to do so much of my daily job that I think it just kinda of satisfies maybe me wanting to do something. And it may be kinda of crazy to say, but um, I get to do so many neat things with my day-to-day job that I'm not really sure there's anything that will stick out that <laughs> it, it's just it's all good. <laughs> it's all good.
1: <laughs> well, that's that I suppose that's the way we should all be living our you know, lives.
0: You know, it it's just all good and um and that's just kind of kind of the way it is.
1: Good. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, Dwayne, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate you coming on and just want to say thank you. Again, I've known you a long time. You're a great advocate for agriculture, and we need uh, all the voices we can telling the story of wonderful things happening in agriculture, and you're a big part of that. We uh, appreciate your time today, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah,
0: well, thank you, David, and thank you for your partnership with KWMT, Stein Seed, and it's uh, a great partnership. Thank you.
1: Well, that's our time today. I want to thank our guests and our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Stein Seedcast. We'll be back again soon with more expert interviews and insights about all things Stein. And to never miss an episode, subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found.
0: Subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found. To learn more about Stein and its elite corn and soybean genetics, visit steinseed.com.
1: Stein has yield.